Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome in to Spotlight on Maryland. I am Liz Drabeck. Today we're going to talk about food insecurity in Baltimore. And helping me do that is board member for Weekend Backpacks, Barbara Spector. Ms. Spector, it's a pleasure making your radio acquaintance again. How are you today? I am doing very well, thank you. I am so pleased to be here. Oh, it is our absolute pleasure. This is the third time I've talked to you guys within the past year or so, and each of your events just sounds neater than the other. So we'll get to the one upcoming in a moment. But first, let's just start with the basics, Barbara. Tell me about Weekend Backpacks. Well, our organization is six years old. We were founded uh, by Sandy Nagel, who started this as a very tiny operation on her kitchen table. And we've expanded to uh, packing and delivering up to 1,200 bags of food a week. And we, um, the last two years, we've run 52 weeks a year because we uh, were able to loop in summer camp programs for the kids. So, um, you know, health, uh, well, there are a lot of health impacts for hunger and um, food insecurity is a big issue for kids in Baltimore City. And we, we just, you know, we, we try to address it as best that we can for them and help chip away at the big problem. You said it started in Sandy's Kitchen with like 18 backpacks or so. So where did the idea come from, Barbara? I believe that she was um, talking to a school principal and he was telling her um, about the problems that some of the kids were having, uh, focusing because they were hungry. And she's, um, you know, she's a doer. Uh, she's she's just been an amazing um, starter of many organizations. And she just felt that this was something that she couldn't tolerate and she needed to do something about it. And so she went home and she and her husband, Fred, uh, packed the first uh, 18 bags and delivered them um, to school kids. And I love that you said it went from 18 to about 1,200. So how did the organization <laughs> pick up all the steam so fast? Well, um, you know, the need is great there. I think that word of mouth, I think that, you know, we started in a few schools and word got around and people started approaching uh, weekend backpacks, some of the principals and social workers and now community coordinators from some of the other schools um, felt that they had uh, children in need as well. And uh, we developed our list of schools. We always have a waiting list of schools that are interested in being involved with the program. And uh, we just we just took it from there. We've had we've had some amazing volunteers. We have 
not only our volunteers that come to our um, little 3,200-square-foot headquarters in Pikesville, but we also have some partners that work uh, in church and synagogue facilities, and they they pack and they deliver to us. And uh, it's I think it's just been word of mouth. People really feel good about being able to do something to help other people. The headquarters in Pikesville you just mentioned, but that's another sign of your growth. There have been different locations, and it sounds like you've outgrown all of them. Yes, we have. And we've actually had some issues, some storage issues to address where we are in our current facility, although the the access uh, and the accessibility to this particular facility has been really good for us. But we've been able to increase our buying power, and so it's not just a matter of space for storage that we've had to, not just a matter of space for assembling and packing that we've had to address, but we also have to take advantage, excuse me, of good deals when they come available. We do uh, get some of our food donated, but we purchase a great deal of it. And we have some terrific barbican shoppers that are always out there looking for good deals on on food supplies. And when we get an opportunity to buy things that are uh, longer shelf life, canned goods and that sort of thing, we want to make sure that we stock up. I hate asking the over-obvious, but can you kind of explain like I'm five, like the whole process, you know, whether it (laughs) it begins with like, you know, you guys contacting food organizations, but then can you just walk me through it? Sure. We have, well, one wonderful partner of ours is the Maryland Food Bank, and I know that they help other organizations as well, but we have been able to get grants from them certainly during COVID period, and they they do allow us to have a certain amount of food at very low cost all the time and sometimes even for free. We have a partner in H&S Bakery. They, they give us a 1,000 loaves of bread a week, not every week, but a great deal of the time, and they partner with a lot of other organizations as well. We go out and we shop. It started out, really, that Sandy was driving around her, car and her SUV, and she was going to grocery stores and talking to the store managers. And we have a couple of operations people. Our vice president of operations is Alan Taylor, and he's amazing. And he spends a lot of time uh, on the on the packing end, organizing our volunteers and getting the packers. And then we have Steve Eisenberg on uh, the board who helps organize the drivers because we have to get the bags delivered to the schools once we have them packed and ready. And we have mostly purchasing arrangements with a lot of the area retailers. And they they definitely help us with, um, you know, with our budget. They definitely help us when there are sales and, you know, secure food items for much less than we would pay in a retail setting. What are the meals like? Well, there is protein in every pack. It could be... Uh, Spam. It could be uh, peanut butter, a jar of peanut butter. So we make sure that we have protein. We have breakfast food. Sometimes it's cereal. Sometimes it's breakfast bars. We always have fruit. Whenever we can have fresh fruit, we have fresh fruit. But sometimes during the year, we don't have access to fresh fruit. And the kids will get uh, cups of uh, mixed fruit, for example, the dull kind of packages that come in single servings. We have a loaf of bread in our bags. We have vegetables. We have, you know, it's always it's always 
grain, protein. We have long shelf life milk. There was a time when we had fresh milk, but that doesn't work for us as well. So we have the uh, ultra-long shelf-life uh, dairy products. So we make sure that every bag is filled with actually 12 to 15 pounds of food. Oh, wow. Which sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Does. it? And it actually ca- can feed three people over the weekend. So we figure that it could be as much as uh, 15 meals. So they're small, they're modest, but they can definitely get uh, three children or a small family through the weekend without uh, being hungry, which is really important. Then the kids get to school on Monday morning and they're ready to go. They, you know, they're energized and they're, they've got the nutrition. But we, we do try to be as uh, nutrient dense as possible in our packing. Well, and that segues perfectly into, into something I wanted to ask you, kind of about the emotional impact from kids. You know, is there a correlation between them being hungry and how it might impact how they learn? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hungry child cannot focus on on schoolwork. It definitely has impacted. We have seen anecdotal uh, success stories with uh, kids who have been able to do better on their reading level, do better in their overall school performance when their tummies are full and they don't have to worry about eating. What I like that I'm grasping as we navigate this conversation is the trial and error that seems to have come, you know, as this organization has, has grown. So, like, can you think of anything particularly interesting that you've walked away with, like, you know, after a certain week or after, like, a certain school holiday that's been like, wow, we're really adaptable? <laughs> Well, actually, I would say some of our, we say this year we were targeting a million meals and more. And I would target the more because we didn't realize that there was access to hygiene products, toothpaste, toothbrushes, sanitary napkins, things that we didn't imagine that the kids needed. But certainly in a food insecure environment, in a poor environment, kids are needing access to a variety of other things. So one of our wake-up calls was when we were asked to supply some of these peripheral items, auxiliary items, and certainly the school supplies. We do uh, we did a 1,000 bags, backpacks of school supplies this fall, and we found that there were some kids that were extremely apprehensive about going back to school because their families couldn't get them school supplies. So we've had a lot of aha moments like that. And in terms of being flexible, Liz, it's been a moving target. The last couple of years have been so interesting. (laughs) Whoever could have anticipated the experiences that we've had with COVID and school closings and, you know, the, the virtual environment for school and the summer school programs trying to offer kids opportunities to catch up. And the distribution, when we first started, we just assumed that the schools would always be there and we could just hand out the bags on Fridays to the kids as they were leaving school for the weekend. But when they don't come to school, you have to pivot and figure out how to get it to them. So how did you do that? We were able to, well, first of all, we have amazing community coordinators who know a lot about the families. And in some cases, we deliver them to the community coordinators, and they hand-deliver them to kids' houses. They also had distribution points through some of the community centers. And so families could come and pick up their bags at designated community points. Um, 
this, the schools were closed, completely closed for good periods of time. But some of the schools actually have food pantries, which I didn't realize. And they make food available to the fam- to the uh, school children's families during the course of the average week. And we were able to make some of the bags accessible to this, the families that were already in the program through the uh, pantries. And volunteer. So we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's just a matter of looking around and seeing what's available at that particular time and using all resources on board. Well, and were people available? Because I would imagine if you had more delivery points, you would have needed more volunteers, more staff, more delivery drivers. Yes, we really, we really were so lucky during the pandemic, and I guess we're still continuing in terms of having a uh, volunteer base that was still willing, interested, able to participate. I think that I mentioned this the last time that we spoke, but we went from one packing a week and having a fairly large number of people in our facility packing to multiple packing sessions during the week and a lot of smaller one-hour sessions with people masked and socially distanced. So we did. We have had to pivot, but there's always been a way to address it. And we have we have a really good, dedicated, able-bodied, uh, interested, wonderful volunteer base, and we can always use more. I was going to say, <laughs> yep, yeah. that's my next question. How can somebody volunteer, Barbara? Well, there are, there are lots of ways. One, hop on our website, uh, weekendbackpacks.org. There are opportunities. Certainly, you can donate. And that helps us with our food buying power. And you can volunteer as a packer and as a driver. We're always looking for those people. And there's one more thing that I hadn't thought about until someone called it to my attention, and that's that strength the word about, about food insecurity. Because people need, especially the younger people in our society, need to understand that just because we, some of us can go to restaurants and have access to whatever we want to eat, whenever we want to eat it, that is not the case for everyone. And it helps us be more sensitive to other people in our communities. Well, and I would imagine there's like the food anxiety that accompanies the food insecurity, and that would be insurmountable. And like you mentioned, like with providing adjacent items, like there's so many other things, like if they lack food, they probably lack other resources too. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, these families have to make tough decisions. Food insecurity doesn't mean that they don't have any money or any food, but it does mean that they might have to pick between paying the electric bill. They might have to pick between putting gas in their car, paying a doctor's bill, going to a doctor's appointment or buying food or getting a prescription drug. So when there are limited resources, one always has to make choices about how they're going to use them. And that that can be extremely anxiety producing. Well, and what's so great is like your different delivery points, whether it's the school, the community, uh, the community center or just going to them. Then like, you know, gas insecurity doesn't have to compound their issue because you make it available to them. Right. Absolutely. We try to we try to be as helpful as possible. And we do we, we actually have a couple of extra things that we do. And one of them, for example, is on Mother's Day. We do pack uh, gifts for the kids to take to the special woman in their life. And at the holiday time, we do try to have uh, a toy or a gift available for the kids because we do remember that they don't exist in a vacuum. They're all part of a 
family and, you know, an ecosystem that also needs support. Well, and that is remarkable because I'm sure that's, you know, what Weekend Backpacks has observed by like getting closer to these families, you know, is that that lack of resources. And that just must be so difficult to see. It is. It is. People people aren't going to tell you about it the first time that you meet with them. And uh, it's not something that people, a lot of people are comfortable sharing. Most of our kids are identified through the school professionals and not self-identified. Before we move on to one of your upcoming events, what donations does Weekend Backpacks accept? Well, when we're spe- right now, we have a, the hats, gloves, and scarves drive going, and we are accepting new, nice hats, gloves, and scarves, and certainly the gloves and the hats can be in all different sizes at our 1505 uh, Bedford Avenue facility. We, a couple of times a year, do accept something specific. We really don't like to take food items because of the shelf life, longevity, expiration date, and that sort of thing sometimes is a problem. So monetary, unfortunately, is probably the best donation <laughs> that you can give us. And again, because of our buying power, we can we can uh, leverage whatever you give us to be able to buy as much as anybody can possibly buy, more than you would be able to buy if you went to the grocery store and picked up some items. But right now, we would love to have warm, nice hat gloves and scarves so that we can keep our kids warm for the winter. And I imagine if they go to weekendbackpacks.org, they can find out how, when, where to donate? Yes. Yes, which actually I do take care of some of the things on the website. And thank you for the reminder because <laughs> we're just getting that up up and running. And I'm going to make sure that we have we have a link there. So wait until tomorrow. I am Liz Drake. Yeah, we'll just wait. We'll hold off <laughs> until you get to your to-do list. <laughs> I am Liz Dravik with Spotlight on Maryland talking to Weekend Backpacks board, mem- board member Barbara Spector. All right. So before we talk about your upcoming event, you've had a few this year. And the last time you and I chatted was for your cupcake decorating. How did that oh, go? Yeah. That was so much fun. Oh, that was so much fun. Um, yeah, Jason Hisley did a fabulous job and he gave us cupcakes, he gave us icing, and then he gave us these tiny little containers with baby M&Ms and little sprinkles and decorations. And we were on Zoom and got to see the amazing creations. We posted some of the cupcakes that people made on our social media and we made some pretty serious students who came up with flowers with petals and leaves that were pretty professional. That is way out of my league. It's definitely one of my hobbies is making (laughs) cupcakes, and that is way out of my league. Well, I have honestly, Jason made it look easy. The icing came out of a skinny plastic bag, and we we got one tip, and he showed us how to (laughs) wiggle and hold it properly. And if if you want to, you might be able to check on our Facebook page and our Instagram and see some of our creations. But it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. It was was a good workshop. I will definitely look. I just tried like piping icing for the first time in my entire life. And then Mm -hmm. you switched gears from sweet to salty. There was a barbecue and brew event in June. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, We learned how to um, do a very spicy chicken and and Mexican street corn, which was a fabulous roasted uh, corn on the grill and then cut up and made into a salad. So 
So we had we had a good time with that. And we always have really fun kits that go along with our food events. So we had a grill package and we had grilling mats, which I'd never used before, but love now, <laughs> and some special tools. And uh, Linwood's put together some fabulous um, marinating sauces for us. And we also had some custom spice packs that a local spice manufacturer put together for us. So it was all in all, it was a successful, fun event. You are hitting all of my favorite food groups because the very first one you held was the cocktail making fundraiser. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think everyone had we we made three cocktails and I'm guessing that everyone drank about three cocktails. (laughs) Minimum. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the time just flew by. (laughs) So you have a fourth, uh, the final installment of your four part series coming up. So what's the next one, Barbara? Well, this one is really exciting. We're doing artisanal breads with uh, Amy Von Lang at Scola. And this one is particularly exciting because we were originally going to do it earlier in the fall. And for a variety of reasons, we decided to move it to November. And we were able to uh, have have this event at the very beginning of National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week which actually is in its 46th year. And it's an organization I wasn't terribly aware of, but it's a, it's a national organization with lots and lots of partners. And a lot of them are um, university uh, campuses and college students. And I think it started in, in Villanova in 1976. And um, there are 700 registered events in, across the country for uh, this Awareness Week, and we are one of them this year. So really excited to be part of something that's bigger and help people not only have fun at our event, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but also take a moment and think a little bit about all the other people, you know, in this country who are not as fortunate as we are. So we are going to be making uh, decorated focaccia bread. Oh, wow. And actually, if you go on the website, I didn't realize this, but when Amy and I discussed it, she didn't share with me that she had done this before several times. So she is experienced with specifically focaccia workshops, and she has some fabulous photos posted. Uh, uh, If you do Google Images, you can see some of the really fun decorative focaccias that have come out of her workshops. So we are going to be um, sending out the recipe for the focaccia because we don't include all the ingredients. We usually just include a few select ingredients in our kit because of perishability. But we're going to be sending out recipes as soon as people register so that they can go ahead and make prep the dough the the day before our, our event and make the focaccia and decorate it in the workshop or they can just watch and make it at another time. So we're going to be making the focaccia, and we're also going to be uh, learning techniques for uh, dipping sauces. So we're going to do some some, uh, dipping oils that are infused with spices, and she's going to walk us through that. That is incredible. So is this another 100% online event, Barbara? Pretty much. It wasn't going to be. We had hoped to be able to do it in person as well, but we're feeling more comfortable, especially since it's the late fall, and it's just before Thanksgiving. Uh, as an as a zoom um, as a zoom uh, event, but 
Cindy Saville, who was my co-chair for these food events, and I are going to be in the studio with Amy. We thought that it would be more fun if a few of us were cooking together. So we'll we'll be demonstrating and decorating along with everybody else. Oh, that's great. And I feel like that's kind of like where the world is bound for, like this hybrid, you know, in-person but online uh, event. So I appreciate you taking safety into consideration for this one. How do people sign up for the bread making event? Well, in one week, it's going to be on our website. Okay. We haven't gotten it up yet, but we've, we've, we actually put together the flyer for it yesterday. It is, we're ready to go. We'll be taking registration um, actually starting October 1st. And uh, people can email us through the website and put their name on the list. We actually have some people, we have almost 30 people, I believe, pre-registered uh, who have subscribed to the entire series. Oh, that's great. So weekendbackpacks.org is where they will go a week from now to sign up. And then what will they need? So you're going to give them a kit with some stuff, but do you have a sense of what else they'll need? Well, we're going to, if they want to make the dough ahead of time, they're going to basically need flour and water and some yeast. And there's not that much more. If they want to decorate with some herbs, they can put together, they can get some peppers together. We're just putting there that list now. We're going to include some sliced olives and some other accessory items that will be fun to decorate and, you know, create a pattern. Or I don't know if you've seen some of the magnificent uh, decorated focaccias that look like a harvest bounty, that look like floral patterns. No, I had no any? idea. No, I had no idea you oh, could do so much with oh. bread. <laughs> oh, you, people, people take tomato slices and they take little slivers of, Peppers and olives and rosemary twigs and all sorts of uh, vegetable items, uh, cherry tomatoes, and they cre- they create flowers. They create floral arrangements. They create turkeys. You could do a Thanksgiving <laughs> theme if you want, and you can put it probably pop, pop it in the freezer and and then bake it. You know, a week later for your Thanksgiving meal. You're telling me I have to decorate my bread and my cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to. That's the beauty of it. You can just simply put a little bit of olive oil on top, sprinkle a little bit of basil, oregano, rosemary, you know, pepper, whatever you like, and then and then just pop it in the oven and leave it at that. Well, and what the I love decor- is that uh, bread making was such a thing during the height of the pandemic. Like, I couldn't get on Instagram and not see someone making bread somewhere. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I actually had to buy my flour mail order. Oh, wow. I couldn't find it in the store for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. The grocery stores were out of flour. That is just unthinkable. Crazy. But I think that like th- those little uh, bread maker ovens were being sold like at an alarmingly high rate. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe people have established new habits. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. And some new hobbies that they never would have thought about. There's got to be a silver lining to everything. Sure. Talking to Barbara Spector of Weekend Backpacks and about their upcoming bread making event. Can you tell me a brief synopsis of it one more time before we sign off, Barbara? I would love to. November 14th, 3 to 4 p.m. on Zoom. We're going to be uh, creating focaccia bread with Amy Von Lang of Scola. We will have kits that have some of the ingredients that you need to be able to make and decorate your bread and uh, make create your uh, oil dipping sauces. And you can register on our, le- on our website as of October 1st. 
weekendbackpacks.org, and we hope you'll consider participating with us. Oh, Barbara, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the upcoming event, and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. I can't wait to hear what else Weekend Backpacks is doing as we head into the new year. Thanks so much, Liz. Take care. Have a good week. It's our pleasure. You too. This has been an Odyssey production. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.